Hey Dragons, welcome to another episode of the podcast. This episode is with Stephen Webb from TheMovingRoad.com. Stephen was such an amazing guy to talk to. This episode is a little bit different from some of the other episodes. I just want to say Stephen uh, was kind enough to come on the podcast and share his story with me and engage in a little bit of a conversation, and I took so much away from it, uh, and I hope you do too. Uh, the bottom line that I got out of it is no matter where you are in life, no matter what's going on, no matter what has happened to you, you can do something. Um, you can do something positive, and it's, it's, I think that's important that we always remember that. That's it. I'm not going to do any plugs or anything like that. So enjoy the conversation. Work out, nerd out. In the basement, rolling dice, rolling dice. I'm always a wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker, fighting dragons in my mind, in my mind. Just for kicks. DM says you're gonna die. Roll a D6. Hey Dragons, welcome back to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. This is Kenny Rotter. Today I am joined by my first guest from across the pond, uh, Stephen Webb from The Moving Road. Stephen, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. It's uh, excited to be here. Excellent. I'm excited to have you here. Now, um, you and I connected, I believe, via Twitter, and then we started Facebooking back and forth. So I... I really don't know a lot about you, so why don't you tell me and everyone out there listening uh, who you are, a little bit about yourself, and uh, let's go from there. Yeah, um, I'm Stephen Webb, as you just said, from sunny Cornwall across the big pond. Um, The most significant thing about me is I'm paralyzed from the chest down with limited arm movement and um, no hand function. So it's a bit weird me being interviewed on a on a working out website. It's so <laughs> significant. It's so significant to me too. Um, yeah, it all happened um, one evening, September the 1st. It was 10.31 that I climbed up on the wall and diving into the deep end of a pool, doing the male macho diving syndrome. When you have girls present, an 18-year-old lad finds something high and needs to dive off it. And I did. <laughs> done it loads of times before but this time i just may have been a brilliant dive or whatever but i hit the bottom and it left me breaking for the technically minded c5 okay and i was instantly paralyzed um the bone cut the cord completely um so there's no real way of recovery i spent the next nine months in the hospital um flat lying on a bed with a halo around my head that was four bolts going into um, my skull. It sounds really bad, but it's not so bad. Um, with a weight just to stretch out my neck and hopefully any movement or feeling would come back. It didn't. Um, fast forward 25 years later, I'm here now and having a good life, loving life, and very much a different kind of life than I planned as a child. Um, been through the normal, I've been through the heartaches, I've been through the bankruptcy, I've been through the just normal everyday life, you know, these ups and downs. Um, so what do I do now? Um, I go around speaking and I have online courses and all, and I help people to put in perspective of who they become and their identity and who they are. And I help them to understand, to not be so fixed with who they are and to play the game of life with, instead of sitting on on the side of the river and thinking, oh, I don't want to get in, I'm frightened, I've got um, fear everything, um, get in the river. But then don't get in the river and start pushing it back and saying, oh, I don't want this, I don't want my life to be like this. You know, get in the raft and start enjoying it. You know, turn all that uh, into a little more, yes, let's get on with it. 
I, I I love that I love that analogy and one of the one of the analogies that I, I once heard actually when I was also I was uh, doing a study abroad at Oxford um, but I heard this analogy while I was studying there and it was you know life is like this river and sometimes it's moving extremely slow almost at a snail's pace sometimes it's going extremely fast and you don't know how you're going to handle it. And sometimes there's just these little eddies where you're just kind of going in a circle for a little bit. Yeah. But it's always, it's always more pleasurable just to go with the flow, go with the stream than try to fight against it. Yeah, you can, you can. It's really, we spend so much time, pushing and pulling what we like and what we dislike. And that's okay. But we realize at some point where the more you push back that river and you're creating that dam of, I don't want these feelings. I don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to go into that situation where we're going to be brave. We end up one day that dam's going to break and it basically drowns us. And it's like, ah, and I can't get out of this. So it's learning to be in that raft and bend your legs and, you know, relax a little and enjoy the ride. Absolutely. Because hell, the river's going to flow. <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely true. You, um, you're going to get tired from swimming against the current far sooner than the current is going to slow down and give in to you. Oh yeah. So I, um, and that's one of the things that I, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast is because, your social media is just so incredibly positive. And I think that you've been through, you have led a life that nobody else will lead. And I'm not saying that as in there's no other people facing struggles, but your specific struggles, your specific everyday life occurrences are unlike anybody else's and much like other people's are different than anything you or I will ever experience. Um, but I think that as humans, we can all learn from each other so much. Yeah, there's, I have this, there's a quote and a phrase that I really love. It's probably my favorite. And that is the, you never know what bad luck your worst luck can save you from. And that's really important. We look at alternatives through rose-tinted glasses. Well, if this hadn't happened to me, we would have lived happily ever after. And I get so many people come up to me and go, well, if you hadn't broke your neck, you would have been a great family man. You would have had businesses. You would have worked really hard. Complete rubbish. I could have been the most obnoxious, narcissistic get out there. Who knows? Or I might not have survived another week because I used to drive like a bloody idiot. They, you know, we just don't know. And and then the other thing is, the other thing is, I really do believe there's a gift in everything. But it's finding it. And And sometimes life is just a constant, you get up and another car knocks you down. You get up and another car knocks you down. At some point, you've got to turn around and say, am I standing in the way of the damn cars or am I going to learn to move? <laughs> and, and that's where you find the gift. Why am I being knocked down constantly? There's great respect in getting up, but there's no respect in staying where you're going to be run down. Absolutely. And I... Th- I'm taking a minute because I'm trying to absorb everything that you're you're kind of laying down right now. And there's just, there's so much that I want to respond to. And there's so much that I think is, is useful. And part of me just can't get my brain around, around it fast enough. Yeah. And it's, it's a, I agree with you. You you don't know what road you don't know the road that you didn't take. It could be better, it could be worse, but like you said, you don't know what bad luck your worst luck has saved you from. Yeah. And I I kind of 
like to think of it as, you know, we, we, we put ourselves in situations. We have these situations. Like if we get a flat tire on the road, you can complain about it. You can post on Facebook about how horrible your day is and how life, how life is out to get you. Yeah. None of that's going to fix your flat tire. Yeah. None of that's going to get you to where you need to go. How how the car set out that morning just to ruin your day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we get in the car all winter and the car starts like clockwork and it gets us to work on time. Then we get in the car and we go to start it and it doesn't. And we say, damn you, car. We never once said, thank you. Yeah. And and when life just works, we don't stop to go, oh, today just was all right. It's good. And sometimes what I've found is when things go well, people will take credit for it. Yeah. But, but if things don't necessarily go well, it's something's fault or somebody else's fault. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you got to work on time. That's I'm a great person. Yay me. But, oh, I showed up 15 minutes late to work. It was traffic's fault. Well, you knew traffic was a possibility. Why didn't you get up 20 minutes earlier? So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's almost that person that cuts us up. That person that pulls out in front of us. And we're like, we're so mad with them and we're so angry with them, with them because we would never do that. We quickly forget when we do do it and how many times do we do it and we don't even realize it. But how <laughs> dare that person make me late for work? It's almost like we convince ourselves that the person set out that morning just to get on our nerves. Oh, yeah. And it's and reality is they're just doing what they're doing. They might be thinking about tea or something quite bad's happened in their life. But we make it about us. You know, it must be something that they're doing to me. They have a vendetta against us. They're trying yeah. to specifically go out and ruin our day. Um, yeah. I, I remember my... I was driving to Las Vegas uh, with my dad... And every time, like, somebody either cut us off or sped past us, and speed limit out there was, like, 70, 75 miles per hour, so it's not a slow speed, so I've got my cruise control on, and people are just whizzing by us, and my dad is getting incredibly upset, because, like, why do you need to go that fast? There's no reason to go that fast, and so I'm, I'm the type of person who's giving people the benefit of the doubt. And so to every person who passed us, I was like, maybe there's a person in labor in the backseat. Maybe they're pregnant. You know, maybe they got to get to a hospital. And so after 30 or 40 cars do this and my dad's getting upset, I'm just like, no, 30 or 40 kids just got born. It's fine. They had to get to the hospital. Um, and my dad, my dad was cracking up by the end of the trip. So, yeah, it's Tony. I, I had a conversation with my dad. My dad's a trucker. And he was very much, I said, he said, yeah, but I get stuck behind a slow coach. And he, I said, yeah, but you're still stuck behind the coach whenever, however mad you get. But you don't understand. There's, I've got a deadline to keep. My boss doesn't care if I'm stuck behind the coach. I've got to get there. I said, yeah, but you're still stuck behind the coach. <laughs> no matter how mad and angry you can get, the coach is still there. And you can choose to be upset by it. Yeah. Or you can choose to accept the situation and either be happy about it or be happy at the other things that are going on in your life. You know, take a look at the scenery if it's nice scenery. Take a look yeah. at the scenery if it's bad scenery. And be like, oh, look at this beautiful bad scenery. And we don't know whether that coach is saving us from something worse up ahead. Oh, Absolutely. So again, it's that if that coach wasn't there, I'd be on time. 
<laughs> if that coach wasn't there, we all might be dead. Yes, it's 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 living in the moment and accepting that. I I do a lot of mind work. Um, I never read a book until I was forty, primarily because I had the paradigm of a teacher when I was about six or seven that diagnosed me as dyslexic. So therefore, I never picked up a a proper book to read. It was headlines only. And then I found myself single and my whole ego gave up. I was numb. I'd become this almost zombie for a few days. And I started drinking. I had to have my southern comfort every night to get to sleep. After about two weeks, I was like, what the hell am I doing? I'm on this road that I don't want to be on. But I had the awareness of this being there, which was a, which was a great gift. But then I picked up books to read. The only book I had on my iPad at the time was As a Man Thinker. Um, it's a great book. It's changed so many people's lives by James Allen. It was just almost 100 years ago. And it taught me one important lesson. And that is we are what we think. The irony is it took me about three weeks to read a book I can now read in about an hour and a half. <laughs> I just really, every paragraph took me days to reread and reread to understand. But I, I believe in a lot of work with the mind and bringing it down to the heart and the breath. But the reason why I'm bringing up this is, although my body is a complete disconnection between the mind and the body, there is, you know... If I think about moving my legs, they don't move. Um, someone could come up and stick a pin in my legs. They're not going to, I'm not going to know. And children will sit next to me and they'll poke me in the legs. They'll even pinch my hands because to them, it's like weird. He must be able to feel. And I catch him in my eye doing it. But of course, I don't know. But there's such a connection between the mind and the body, more so than we ever realize. Now then, I do, I strap on two and a half kilo weights onto my hands. I do this three times a week. I started doing this about two and a half years ago. And I temporarily stopped because of a shoulder injury. But while I was doing the exercise, it was really more, I probably looked like I was directing planes than doing exercise. So it was more throwing my arms around, if you can picture it. But exercise in the body, even a paralyzed one, does so much for the mind too. There's so much connection between the mind and the body. It's um, a simple exercise is you try smiling and having a miserable body at the same time. It doesn't work. And it's so connected. So with what you guys do, you work so much with the two. Even somebody that has not got the connection to be able to move the legs, it's massively important to have this psychological and um, exercise regime, regime between the mind and the body. I, I achieve so much more just by having some kind of exercise. There are many people that say, look, do your mindfulness, do your meditation. They're great. I believe in them absolutely. Um, there's nothing like when you said, um, when you're driving, take a look at the scenery, take a deep breath. You know, really feel the temperature. That's great for mindfulness. And that, but those practices alone, without some kind of movement of the body, and anybody can do it. You know, subjects have been my friend Anson that sadly passed away now. He was paralyzed with his shoulders as well. So he could just shrug his shoulders. But if you can move your arms in some way, move them. It makes your mind feel better. It makes everything feel better. Well, yeah, um, it's, it's even I, like it's that release of endorphins from exercise that also helps and even if you can only move your arms yeah part of me thinks that your mind realizes that and that's still exercise so it would still release 
those endorphins clear the head, you know, add some, um, you know, make some positive, uh, impact on your mindset. And I just think that's great. And, uh, two and a half kilos. Do you know how much that is in pounds? I'm sure I can do the conversion, but yeah, you'd have to do the, you'd have to do the conversion. Um, I would say it's about maybe four or five pound each. Okay. That's yeah. I, I could be completely out there. Yeah. It's really, um, see you guys will understand. I, I don't actually have my triceps. Um, they, they're actually paralyzed. Okay. However, I had an operation. I was one of the first in Europe to have both arms done at the same time. Ironically, because what they do is they cut the deltoid in half and connect half of it to my elbow. Okay. It's, it's called a deltoid tendon transfer. So it enables me to straighten my arm above my head. Okay. Without that, I end up with lots of um, sores in the morning when I keep hitting myself in the face when I'm lying <laughs> in bed. Um, so I had that operation in about 97, 98. And the reason why I had both arms done because I knew I wouldn't go back and have the second one done. <laughs> they had to strap my arm straight and I had an extra 15 degrees movement every week. So oh, this wow. went on for a fair amount of time. And at the time I used to smoke so <laughs> I I couldn't even um, bring the cigarette to my mouth. So it was really frustrating. So you've been paralyzed, and I, in effect, made myself more paralyzed for a while. Um, yes, yeah, so I had that operation. So even with my arms, I've got limited wrist movements, and my arms isn't the full uh, muscles. But just moving them around, just spending 15 minutes and... Going through the initial, oh, why did I start this? It hurts. To, oh, that's a bit warmer and nicer. To, I'm enjoying this. Just to do that three times a week makes such a massive difference to our whole mindset, motivation. And you're not, you're not three times a week for how, how, how long? How much time? 15, 20 minutes. 15, 20 minutes. And it's, you show me a person that doesn't have an extra 15 or 20 minutes three times a week to do some sort of physical activity, I'm going to show you a person who is working very, very hard to avoid physical activity. <laughs> oh. it's, it's the same with meditation. I, you hear it a lot, and you don't even... There's forms of meditation. There's like the deep sense of sitting down in a cave for 20 years. Or there's the sitting down and shutting up just enough to appreciate and becoming present. But the amount of people that say, I ain't got time to meditate. Set your alarm 10 minutes earlier. Sit yeah. on the edge of the bed. Well, well, when you lie, when you sit down in front of the TV at half past nine at night and you say over the next two hours, I'm going to go bed in a minute. <laughs> My God, you've just wasted two hours. You didn't want to watch that on telly. You just couldn't be bothered to get off the sofa. And I've been there. I'm not knocking them. But once you see the rewards, once you feel the rewards, and it's all about a feeling. Everything's a feeling. Absolutely. We meditate. We find peace of mind because of a feeling. We exercise because of a feeling. Before we love because of a feeling. Everything's a feeling. And... When you we spend so much time avoiding things to create a feeling that we don't like, <laughs> then we laugh about it. It's like, and the Buddha says, if you um, meditate thirty minutes a day, if you haven't got time, do it for an hour. <laughs> I love that. Um, are, I have so many so many questions. Um, when did you start getting into meditation and mindfulness? Um, I tried it in my late 20s, and I'll be perfectly honest, it was because I thought it was cool and it might get me laid. It <laughs> didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Um, and I sat there, I think, for about 20 minutes and thought, oh, stuff this, I can't stop thinking. I thought I was supposed to sit there for 20 minutes and not think anything. 
And then it was through, I spoke about when I was 14 and found myself single. It was reading books and I realized there was, my thoughts were not me. I have thoughts, but I am not those thoughts. And that was a massive wake up call to me. So it's like, well, wait a minute. I can think of something in my head, but I don't have to be it. It was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Um, and then I realized the same about the feelings. You know, I have feelings, but I don't have to be them. So, for example, loneliness. Many people say, I am lonely. No, you're sometimes lonely. Or I can be lonely. So when I found myself pretty well rock bottom, the bit that pushed me over the cliff was um, the splitter. I looked then to meditation. And I learned from the books that it wasn't about shutting the mind down. It's not about sitting there for 10 minutes and not having any thoughts. Complete myth. It's about sitting there, recognizing your thoughts and having some control over them. You know, my typical meditation is I sit there and I, I do a particular type called Sazen, which means we leave our eyes open. Um, it's about 50% effective for me because I fall asleep quite a lot. So, I'll be honest. Um, and it's about sitting there and just being present, listening to what's going on. But within three seconds, my mind's like, oh, you want to go on Facebook? Check your emails. And then I go, thank you for that. We'll do it in a minute. And you smile. It's a thought. It's okay. And then about four seconds later, it's like, oh, look at the dog there. It's like, stroke the dog. No, I'm just sitting here concentrating on my breath. And I go through that process for half an hour. <laughs> but the, the whole point of meditation is to generate that neural network between the thought and coming to the present. That's, that's the reward. So when all the reactionary things and all life takes us hold and that river's running down next to us and on like a raft, river raft, we can go, no, this is what it is. Let's respond rather than react. So it creates that little gap between um, reactionary life and wisdom. And if we think back, how many things could we have made better if we took a deep breath rather than blew up? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so many, so many. <laughs> and that's all right, because they've all taught us. Yeah. And it'll happen again. And and what what I kind of got, um, I've, I've tried meditation, I've tried mindfulness. Um, I love doing it, but I always seem to fall out of habit, um, which is an issue, but it's like, just cause I skipped one day doesn't mean I'm going to not do it today. You know, I, I, so yeah. that's a story for another podcast, but I always got that the, you're going to have these thoughts. They're going to enter into your brain and you, you stop, you acknowledge the thought and you let it move past. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't dwell on it. Don't, you are not that thought. And what, one of the things that always struck me was I once heard someone tell me, you're not the voice in your head. Yeah. And immediately in my head, I'm thinking, what voice in my head? I don't have a voice in my head. <laughs> and then the person's like, that voice, the voice that just said, what voice in your head? That's the voice. Um, but... So you said you you practice zazen. Um, yeah. Are you? Uh, do you consider yourself Buddhist? Do you study Buddhism? Is that an aspect I, of your life? I I don't know really. Um, I do study Buddhism a lot. I I like the way of living. Um, to call myself a Buddhist, I don't know. I'm happy with either way. Well, one thing is interesting. I would I would say we're all what you would call a Buddha. 
And and to be a Buddha, basically, it means you're awake. But I'm only a Buddha about 10 minutes a day. <laughs> the rest of the time, I'm thinking about tea or I'm thinking about what my daughter's up to or wondering why my dog's barking. So, but when you become present and you're out for a walk and you take that deep breath and you're aware of the infrastructure around you that enables you to go for that walk and things like that, and you suddenly notice the sunset and the beauty out there, at that time, you've got Buddha nature. And that's what it is. It's it's just being purely aware and realizing that nature has this amazing ability to not have any right and wrong. Nature just is. A tree doesn't pop up and say, damn it, I'm next to a road. I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and And just the same as birds and animals they don't go i'm not going to land on that tree because i don't like the town it's in it's only humans that make all this good and bad yes and essentially there is a lot of good and bad i'm not we cannot simply go you know let's say the world's absolutely perfect oh it's got a long way to go but we can have this relaxing of this pushing and pulling of what's good and bad and and when we slow right down, nature is just living in this harmony of non-duality that just works. And we are just part of that. We're made out of the same stuff. Yes. The only difference is we're aware. And yeah. damn it, that's the most amazing gift in ever. <laughs> you know, there's been 90 billion people before us that didn't have the awareness of what we've got. And and when we slow down, we suddenly see the world through this, wow, this unreasonable joy. And then we start appreciating even our thoughts. It's not so much we turn negative thoughts into positive. It's just we focus more on the present. And in the present, if you take a deep breath, what do you need to be happy? Nothing. You can just be happiness happy. Is, happiness is right there all the time. But we think it's around the corner. We think it's a lottery win. We think it's a, oh, if my partner would just make me a cup of tea in the morning that wasn't disgustingly tasting. <laughs> or anything like that. No, For my carers, it's toast. <laughs> if I if I just had the right job, or if I had the right yeah. spouse, or if I had the right kids, or if I had the right hobbies, or if I had if I watched the right TV programs, then I can be happy. Yeah. And I think I, I do think that is it's it's kind of the way people mm. think nowadays, but I don't think it's a way people have to think. It's, it's, you can, you, happiness is always there. You just have to be able to take it for yourself. Yeah. It's becoming aware. Then don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. I didn't always see it, but that doesn't mean I don't want things. I want a new wheelchair. I want to build my own house that will give me a better life. I want all those things. But I know I'll be happy when I get those things because I'm happy now. Yes, yes. And that's the key. But it's it's not to knock ourselves for wanting because it's the natural growing up. How can you not grow up in in wanting because you would simply become that um, laid back and that not been part of the world, especially at school, you'd sit in the back of the class, you'd be like, no, I'm fine, I'm happy. It's like that's, you would get nothing out of life. So you have to go through the wanting, the needing, the desiring, the control. Every kid has to go through it. Oh, yeah. It's just hopefully as an adult, you can grow out of it. (laughs) (laughs) You can wake up to it. You said something earlier that I really wanted to touch on, and it's like this beauty of nature and how a tree a tree is just a tree, and it doesn't think, oh, I'm by a road. Oh, I'm in this yard that I don't want to be in. 
um, I was at uh, the Grand Canyon um, a few years ago, and I had this kind of kind of revelation where I'm like, this is like sun was rising and I was like, this is the most beautiful, amazing scene I've ever seen. And it's also just a hole in the ground. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's, it was, it was very interesting having this juxtaposition and it's about what what is the Grand Canyon? Literally, what is the Grand Canyon? It is a giant hole in the ground. The beautiful, gorgeous, um, you know, amazing. Those are all feelings and adjectives I put on it. And yeah. so that that's where I have that control. And so you and can... And that's where the magic is. Yes. It, it's, it's this awareness of beauty. It's without that, you know, my dog would walk up to the Grand Canyon and have a wee and sniff around. <laughs> it would have no awareness of it whatsoever. <laughs> so we got this magic of being able to see the beauty in it. And, and, and from the internal perspective, we are beauty ourselves. And, and going back to like the tree, you take a flower. A flower doesn't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I'm going to try to be beautiful today. I'm going to try my best to be the best looking flower in the field. No, it just is beautiful. It just is a flower. And it's just be. And that's what we are. If we just be what we are. There was a stand-up comedian that was talking about how he is, is I, I, I can't remember who it was, but he was so worried whenever he would go on stage because he was relatively famous and he's like, all these, pay, all these people are paying to see X. I need to be X tonight. And in even more uh, established comedian said to him, well, then why are you worried? No matter what you go out there and do, you're going to be X. No matter what. You can't help it. And I think I think that's something that we all should take away. Like, today, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be... I'm going to be Kenny. And nothing I do is going to stop... Is going to change the fact that I'm going to be Kenny today. Yeah. You've hit a perfect nail on the head. Because... A lot of me suffers from imposter syndrome. That they that one day, all my Twitter followers, all my Facebook followers, everybody I speak to, and everybody that say they're inspired by me, is going to realise that I'm just me. <laughs> and every day I think, damn it, I can't do it because I'm just me. But I can be no other. Yeah. There's, there's and no... and that realization, you you you're the most advanced thing that we've that we know that's evolved in thirteen point five billion years. Now then, you might believe in other things on other planets and all that. We don't know, so let's not worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as we know, we are the absolute pinnacle of evolution so far. Yes, and we're one of them. <laughs> how can it not be amazing that's a good point I don't think it can't not be exactly but we have to slow down below um, um, like our egos and when I speak about ego I mean like the I the Latin and we have this when we're born we have this karmic neutral value we're not good or bad. We're not, we don't know. We have no fixed beliefs, opinions. And as we go through life, we get given everybody's stories. We get given everybody's beliefs and opinions. So we build this person. You know, I'm Stephen and I'm a motivational speaker. But that's all 
philosophical ego. It's all everything above our true selves. We don't know who we are. We just know what we've learned. <laughs> and then when we realize that, that it's all learned, we can overcome the courage, we can overcome the fear, we can have, oh, wait a minute, I'm feeling a bit of guilt here. Deal with the guilt instead of I'm a guilty person or I'm a shamed person. So everything just comes and goes. And we're playing this dance. We're playing the dance of our thoughts. So many people say, I want to shut my thoughts down. They, they're like, they control me. Well, cut your foot off because you're fed up with your foot being a foot. <laughs> expecting your mind not to think is like expecting your foot not to be a foot. <laughs> it's designed to do the job. And it does it brilliantly because it thinks what you think it wants to think. <laughs> Have control over it. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Um, I have to ask you one one more question about um, Zazen and a little bit of uh, Buddhism. Um, have you ever heard of Brad Warner and Hardcore Zen? Oh, uh, it it is. It was given. The book was given to me um, just at the right time in my life, and I I read it, and it completely it completely struck a chord with me, and it's why I. I meditate. It's why I have kind of explored Buddhism. It's kind of that whole presentness, mindfulness thing. Um, so I'll see if I can. I uh, it, after after the episode, I'll see if I can get you a copy somehow. Okay. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It's it's such an amazing it was such an amazing book. I don't want to overhype it because <laughs> you know when something when something gets really hyped up and then you get really excited for it and then you're just disappointed. <laughs> so I don't I don't want to do that. But yeah, so you, you're a motivational speaker. People have come to you and said that, uh, how much you've inspired them. Uh, who inspires you? Is there someone, a source of inspiration for yourself that someone you look up to? Yeah, I, I would have to say my, my main mentor is a guy called Jim Roshi. He's, he's brought Zen and Japanese and Chinese Zen over to the Western world. He's the 83rd Roshi, and he runs, he come up with um, what's called the Mondo Zen. And Mondo Zen is, very briefly, the Chinese and Japanese Zen is about thousands of koans, which are in, in inward-pointing questions. And they would normally take years to sit down and go and find the answer. What he's done, he's taken 18 questions, and giving you the answers. But with all Buddhism, it's no good just understanding it. It's sitting down, doing the practice, embodying it. Okay. We all understand, treat people nice, um, the karma and all that. But actually having the integrity and doing it are two different things. Yes. And, um, and I think that's the case with, with almost anything. If you look at... Um, the Olympics are going on right now and it's like, we all know how to swim, but it's the, the person who, along with some gifted genetics gets in the pool and is swimming every day to improve, you know, that becomes Michael Phelps or Katie Ledecky. It's, it's not just sitting down and reading books on, Buddhism, mindfulness, meditation, but it's sitting down, it's sitting zazen, getting the practice, living that life of integrity. The, the, the amazing thing with meditation, the reward is not sitting on the cushion for an hour apiece. That's where everybody um, kind of misunderstands, and me for a long time. It's, it's that moment when you have that little gap between that you would normally react and because of your meditation because of your able to be present you don't react anymore and you respond and you end up not messing up your life so much <laughs> we don't say to the boss what we really think because we realize the boss is just thinking different to us he's living a different story 
Absolutely. And we see the world the way we are. Yes. <laughs> but we realize those moments. And even if it's just to create that 20 milliseconds, all the reward is in life. And who doesn't respect that peaceful mind, that guy that can give the shade on a really stormy day? Let the others run around screaming and shouting. Who likes that guy at the end of the bar? And I always say in the movies, it's brilliant. You've got this big fight in the bar. Everyone's going hell for leather on each other. And then you've got the guy at the end of the bar that's just drinking his drink. <laughs> we all want to be him. <laughs> yeah. We, we just know he knows what's going on. And we all can be. Yeah. We all are below all the anger, all the shaming, all the guilt... All the below all of those is deep caring. You show me an angry person that doesn't care, you won't find one. It's just mistargeted. Yes. Everybody, whenever you dig below the surface, everybody cares. Might not be what you care about, <laughs> but everybody cares. Yes, absolutely. So, um, I, oh man, I, I could talk to you for hours. I really could. But um, I wanted to uh, just ask, what what do you have going on right now with The Moving Road? Is there any uh, any projects coming up? Any, any um, places well, you're going to be doing speeches, talks? I haven't got any booked at the moment. I have taken some time out from that. I'm starting my private practice in, in September. Oh, excellent. Well, I'll be grab, grabbing, grabbing. I'll be gathering together 10 people and we're doing like a two month online Zoom, online chatting, and to have a practice starting privately with a small group. But I'm also moving, I'm revamping my website. Excellent. And I'm moving my courses because at the moment I've just released a course on a website called Udemy. Okay. Um, the link and all on my website, and there's a 50% off at the moment. Um, but I'm moving the courses to my website and making them a lot more comprehensive. So okay. like a mindfulness course, a meditation course. And a, how do we break through all of these feelings and thoughts and get back to the deep caring? Because all self-improvement comes to one part, comes to one end. A more compassionate, caring person. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. and that's what my course is about. That's what, and we're being, you know, a more caring world. Whether we like it or not, the world is not as messed up as we think it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true, and, and interesting, but not that messed up. Yeah, and we will include links to all of this, so hopefully people can can go to our show notes page and find, uh, get a hold of you, find out uh, how to sign up for some of these courses. Some of them sound really interesting. I definitely want to check them out more in depth. Um, I did. Uh, I wanted to know if you have any resources or apps that help you stay mindful or meditate, anything like that, any resources that you use. I use Insight Timer for my meditation. Um, there's a couple of on there it's a free app to download on there there's a couple of guided meditations by me oh. um, type Stephen Webb in the search um, I use mondozen.org um, they've got loads of information about meditation and about cutting through all of the Years and years and years and years of Zen. Okay. And bringing it up to the modern age. That's good, because there's a lot. Oh, there's so much information out there. Yeah. Um, and But yeah, check out my website. I go live on Facebook every Sunday at 5 p.m. UK time. Okay. I will work out, out Eastern time. <laughs> no, 5 p.m. UK time. I can do this. I can do this. If it's eight hours between there and there, five hours. it'd be noon. Noon East Coast time. Sounds good. That's perfect time. Excellent. 
Um, um, and yeah, on Twitter, the links will all be below, as you say. Yeah. Um, yep, I will include all of that. Um, I have one other question. We've talked a lot about mindfulness. Actually, I have two questions. What is something that you are into that other people may not expect? And um, it could be oh, anything. Interesting question. What was your second question while I'm thinking about that one? Oh, my second question was probably going to be just as just as hard. Uh, what parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening? Um, what am I into that... I love my acoustic music. Ah. When I don't get time to meditate, I, I've given up kind of watching the news. I don't watch a lot of telly, but when I do, I do it with intention. I'm going to turn the telly on to watch that program. And it's the same with music. It used to be on in the background all the time. Whereas now I put my headphones on and I intentionally listen to an album but do nothing else. Okay. And the music just comes alive for me. It's like a meditation. You know, meditation is about becoming present. Music does it. Walking does it. Driving you can mindfully do. And what's my parting gift? When things are really against you, allow yourself to be upset. Allow yourself to struggle through it. Allow the feelings to arise. Then you can find the gift and move on. What you resist will persist. What you resist a, will persist. I love that. Yeah. And there's a gift in everything. Slow down. Look for it. That's excellent. Stephen, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you giving me some of your time. Um, there is so many good nuggets of wisdom in this entire uh, approximately hour we've been speaking. And I really hope everyone out there gets a lot out of it. So thank you so much for being here. It's my absolute pleasure. I love being on here, Kenny. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. And everyone out there listening, I really hope you enjoyed this one. It was a lot of fun to talk to Stephen. Uh, again, uh, you guys know all my contact information. Drop me a line uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, other than that, work out nerd out, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.